Hi, this is Martin Duffy from Glencairn Crystal, and you're hearing me right now on Cast Chasers Podcast. Mind blown. Well, you heard it from the man himself. If you drink your whiskey out of a Glencairn glass, chances are you have one person in this country to thank, and that is our guest this week on the Cash Chasers Podcast. Martin Duffy has been around the whiskey industry for a long time, and he calls in this week to share his experiences and stories. From senior master of whiskey at Diageo to national rep for those iconic crystal glasses and much more, Martin's journey is quite the story to tell. So grab your favorite Glencairn, pour a dram, and settle in. This is the Cash Chasers Podcast. Welcome to the Cash Chasers Podcast, everybody. Thanks for uh, downloading this week, and thanks for listening. As always, we have Mr. Bobby Bird in the studio. How's it going? And Aaron Pross. Hey, guys. And I'm Scott Norris. Thank you. Welcome to the show. We have Today's episode is a very special episode because we have a, a good friend of the show on, and he has quite the resume, fellas. Quite the resume. Most notably, he is a U.S. brand rep for uh, Glen Karen, which we all appreciate. Yes, we do. And we, you know. May or may not be in our logo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can the, li- the likeness of, yeah, that's right. The that's, likeness that's hardly legally deniable. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> but uh, he's also he also manages the uh, Chicago Independent Spirits Expo, the Whiskey Still Life, former senior master of whiskey at Diageo, uh, Diageo Ireland uh, Reserve. Brand ambassador for Benedictine, BB French Liquors, Bacardi, you name it. This guy wow. has quite the resume. So uh, without further ado, please welcome Martin Duffy. Yay! Martin. <laughs> I'm always expecting someone to cheer, and I'm like, it's just like us here and the person that we're talking to. And like nobody ever cheers. I Marty's put, the first one to cheer. Hey, I could put some applause in there if we really want that. That would be we sweet. Just fill in. Laugh track. That Let's try this one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome to the Cast Chasers podcast, Martin Duffy. Uh, Martin, thanks for being on the show, buddy. We really appreciate it. We want to talk Glenn Karen's first off because uh, that you, that's currently where you're at, right? Yes, sir. For the last five and a half years, soul. Uh, brand representative for North America. Wow. Okay. wow. Just little me. I'm the Kevin Costner, the kind of the dances with wolves for uh, Glen Karen. Nice. Their soul representative <laughs> in the Western wilderness. That's me. All soul right. representative. That's actually, that's a really impressive soul representative. I know. It's no pressure. Yeah. And well, yes. soul and as an S O L E and S O U L. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. No pressure. That that's right. They sell them, not to take away from your job because you're doing an amazing job, Uh-oh. but they kind of sell themselves. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like, delete that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How do well, you. Well, I mean, it is amazing because, like, such as yourself, you got the uh, the glasses in your logos. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> my vision, I can't see. The yeah, yeah, look. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's tons of uh, tons of folks who use the glass for uh, music events, for whiskey events, and then uh, uh, almost every whiskey article. I'm constantly yeah. 
posting whiskey articles every day that use the glass. Even if they don't mention it in the article, it, the glass with a little whiskey in it represents whiskey. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. What's well, kind of, uh, it's kind of the go-to. And I mean, sometimes in marketing and sales, somebody promises something is something when, but this is actually a standard because it works. I, 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 I appreciate what I get from my whiskey through it. Really, absolutely, really. And absolutely. we're not being paid by Glencairn by, by any no, means. No, we're by not the way. yet. Not so. yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a Scottish company, so you won't. That's yeah, true. That's, that's right. true. That's right. The poor <laughs> bastards. But uh, we truly do believe in it. Yeah. Marty, how do you go to become the sole representative? Uh, <laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> Uh, basically, by killing off all the other representatives. <laughs> so it's like a it's like a it's Highlander situation. Of the fittest. Uh, I mean, Highlander. It's yeah, gotcha. It's a Highlander. I wanted thing. it to be something. Uh, like Got to behead them. It's yeah, really obviously in like a messy. parking garage. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do not meet me in a parking garage. <laughs> not if you're Got selling it. glasses. Noted. No. Um. Uh, so I got to know the Davidson family. They're the ones who um, own Glencairn. They, uh, Ray Davidson, the father, created the glass. Uh, this is actually 20 years ago this year, uh, 20 years that the glass has been in existence. And I met the family um, about, yeah, a little, yeah, maybe about 18, 19 years ago at one of the uh, whiskey fests. Uh, and we became instant friends. Um, and I kept in touch with them. I go and visit them anytime I was in Scotland. But about five and a half years ago, it just kind of dawned on them. They, uh, they didn't have anybody in the U.S. The U.S., uh, especially the, uh, distilling industry was just booming. Yeah. Exploding. And they needed somebody to go around and represent the glass, uh, look for opportunities. Um, but as you say, I mean, it's a really easy gig, uh, in that the glass is recognized everywhere. Though the, the one problem is not everybody recognizes it as a Glen Karen glass. They sure. kind of, it's, uh, Fred Minnick, uh, was starting to call it the, uh, Kleenex, uh, yeah. of, yep. uh, of oh, yeah. Of, uh, versus, versus tissues. Yeah. Industry. Yeah. Kleenex versus right. tissues. Yeah. So, uh. We've had we're constantly in litigation with uh, with folks who are trying to duplicate the glass in one way, shape, or another. Whether they they're using glass or or some guys who try to make a wooden Glencairn glass, huh. that kind of failed. That's fascinating. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, turned out they used wood that leaked, which, which was really not, detrimental. Not good is what that's what I'm picking yeah. up. Okay, got it. Yeah, not good. Uh, but yeah, we're constantly going after folks and that's another kind of my, <laughs> my job is to shut it down. Yeah. Put, lay down the crystal hammer. You the would, crystal hammer. I love that. The when, crystal hammer. So when did, when did it, when did Glencairn really kick off? I mean, when, when can we say it's Genesis was? The Well, Glencairn, uh, the company started 40 years ago this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Davidson originally made decanters. Okay. Uh, crystal whiskey decanters and glassware. I mean, the, you know, the cut crystal tumblers, uh, we still make all that stuff. Um, uh, but about uh, the late nineties, it dawned on them that there wasn't a whiskey glass. There were the balloon brandy glasses 
and you had rocks glasses. And here in the States, the rocks glasses were those thick beveled ones you mm-hmm. get at bars. And, you know, that's not, it's really not. I know a lot of folks are used to drinking out of those, but that is not conducive to a, a good drinking sure. experience, especially if you're trying to appreciate a whiskey. So he created the, the initial design of the glass. Then it was his son, Paul, his oldest son, when he came on to the business, uh, said, Dad, what's this? Open the shelf. This looks great. Let's do something with that. That's and uh, and they, uh, they brought together five different master blenders in Scotland and asked their advice. Two of them are still around. Dave Stewart mm-hmm. with, uh, mm-hmm. with Balvini and uh, Richard Pat were both instrumental the in nose. helping the nose that's yeah. what the professional nose that's cool i it's interesting so i started drinking whiskey with a rocks glass and then i i went to a few tastings and the copita was really kind of the go-to or a wine glass or something similar so what i like about this glass is you can actually enjoy your whiskey in a glass that's not pretentious with it's expected almost like i think i think if you're not drinking whiskey or you know specifically scotch out of a glencairn people kind of Look at you odd yeah. in a way. So back in the day, if you were drinking out of anything else but a rocks, like you said, people just kind of looked at you like, you know, who's this guy coming in here with yeah. his fancy, yeah. <laughs> you know, fluted glasses? But it's really the way you want to, you know, experience whiskey. So I mean, it's it's a it's a shame it didn't come out earlier, or odd that it didn't come out earlier. Well, again, nobody nobody really thought about it, and I I was bartending in the nineties and. If somebody asked for a whiskey neat, uh, it's funny. I think I probably would have poured it into a small uh, neat glass, mm-hmm. you know, the smaller version of the rocks glass. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I might have poured it into a brandy snifter. Yeah, sure. But even then, I think maybe whiskey drinkers would have thought that. I, I actually went to a, a wedding in Ireland uh, for a, a family wedding, and uh, uh, there was a guy who was related to me by marriage uh he uh uh he was drinking a whiskey and i uh he seemed kind of a, a sullen fella a little ornery <laughs> and i thought hey you know what i'll uh i'll get buddy buddy with him i said hey let me buy you a whiskey and i think i was working for bushmills at the time i said so uh, uh let me get you a bushmills and so i buy him a bushmills and i asked for it in a brandy snifter because that's all this pub had and I gave it to him, and he just looked at it and poured it straight into the used rocks glass that he had. He thought that was a little sissified, a little uppity. uppity. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. I'm glad we're past which is that. weird. Well, well, it was weird though. I was told if I had bought him a brandy and put it in that, that would have been fine. Huh? I thought that's a weird distinction. I mean, who the hell would know except you whether you're drinking right. a brandy or a whiskey? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. The Irish. The Irish. <laughs> God bless them. Well, they were drinking out, of, drinking out of bowls for a long time. So. <laughs> out of skull caps. A yeah, lot of skulls. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Mari, take us back. Uh, let's go way back. I mean, how did how did you get into whiskey in general? What was the, uh, what was the genesis there? Uh, it was. So I started off in theater back in the 80s. Um, uh, I did a lot of improv here in Chicago, uh, and obviously to support myself, I wasn't going to make any money 
doing improv or acting. So I got became a bartender. Uh, I started bartending at this one place in the River North neighborhood of Chicago. Uh, we go to this 4 a.m. bar afterwards, and uh, the small uh, uh, the small batch beams came out, mm. and so I was drinking Booker's Manhattans. Mm. I discovered Manhattans and I discovered this really strong bourbon. And, you know, it all seems very common knowledge now, but back then you knew it meant it was strong if it was high proof whiskey, but you had no idea how strong. Right. So I thought Booker's sweet. It's really strong. These were 10 ounce cocktail glasses. Yeah. Uh, I would have three of those. In like within an hour, because the I thought the drinks were so good. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you're still world, here with us. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, the world turned a weird whitish green uh, after that. Um, but anyways, I really loved um, I really loved uh, bourbon at that time. I really loved uh, Manhattans, um, and then I discovered the wonderful world of promotions. Uh, there were no brand ambassadors at the time, uh, and there was an ad in the paper for Johnny Walker. They were looking for people to run around in kilts and run into bars and buy people drinks and give them a quick little 30-second tutelage on what is whiskey. So they would teach me, which was great because there was no other outlet for it. There were no... Obviously, there was no real internet, as far as I knew. Um, Books, there might have been books out there, but, you know, where were you going to learn about them? Uh, And there were no, no one going around training you on spirits. There were no spirit events. There was nothing. There was no podcasts. No podcasts back then. Can you imagine? I can't imagine a world. (laughs) Yes. A horrible, barren desert, as far as podcasts were concerned. And so we were, uh, uh, this was a great opportunity just to learn about whiskey. Um, and so I, I did that part time for about seven years, uh, doing Johnny Walker events, classic malts. Uh, I started working because it was part time. I, I worked for some other companies like Jack Daniels. Anything I saw about whiskey, because that gave me an opportunity to be trained on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on a particular brand and that style of whiskey. Uh, and then about 2003, or 2002, actually, they were looking for seven people to go full-time. And uh, they had it, flew us into New York, had us audition. Uh, I got the gig. And then about a week later, they flew us to Scotland for a week to train uh, at the uh, Malt Advocate Academy at um, Royal Lochtengar Distillery. Wow. Yeah, wow. Pretty, it was pretty cool, very intense, yeah, I'd uh, say. long hours, um, you know, for about seven days. And then uh, they flew us back and said, all right, January 1st, you start. You're a official master of scotch. We were masters of scotch at first. And so, all right, we're masters of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do we do? Yeah. What do, what, what, what do I do? You know, now that you give me some information on scotch, they just said, well, make, make the job your own. Okay. You mean make it up? (laughs) 
And that's why I had to do. I, and, I, and coming it, from an improv background, you had you had a little bit of uh, you had a little bit of yeah. Uh, yeah, how was, it all ties together, man. That's true. Well, yeah, and, but here's a, a who, what, and where is given to you uh, in improv. Yeah, this was a uh, you're the who, right? The what is that you're a job? Yeah, and, and I mean the the suggestions were a little more vague than I usually would get. Uh, when I was on stage doing improv. Yeah. So off topic, on topic, Marty. Oh, I didn't. Good. I didn't know this. Um. But I actually, I for much of my life, I did theater. Should I we turn our microphones off? Yeah. Just like right. too. You guys go away. Me and Marty are just going to talk for a while. But for much of my life, I did theater. I've done improv. Um. I have a degree in theater. Um, my wife and I actually met in college. Both of us doing theater. I mean, she did music theater, but we won't hold that against her. Um. Oh. But uh, they're it's improv just in so, a marriage right now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but it's it's just so funny to hear you talking about this and uh, the 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 whiskey community is so welcoming. And I've seen a lot of my theater and artist friends and that sort of thing wind up doing something in the whiskey community. And it's just so funny to me that you coming from that sort of background as well, uh, do that as well. Uh, one of the girls that we went to college with, I found out literally two weeks ago is like a, is like a, um, a mixologist for Jim Beam in Chicago. And I was like, what, what, what's going on? And just like all these people I'm reconnecting with through whiskey after not doing theater improv, any of that stuff for uh, years. And it's, it's just, it's really neat to me just seeing all, all the different types of people that come into this, but that that's really, and we'll talk about this more off air. Um, you and I will, but that's really, I didn't know that about you. Well, so that's really neat. Well, it's, it's it's true of a lot of guys. So Simon Brooking and I started off together. You guys might know Simon from uh, Lafroig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Simon was an actor. Uh, Spike McClure, who was also a master of whiskey out of New York, he was an actor. Um, I mean, a lot of us, uh, we weren't hired uh, because we were actors, but we, I think our acting background uh, helped us as far as presenting. Yeah, we, maybe, well, you, maybe you, you, you reach well, the point, do I want to live out of a box or do I want to do something? Well, it's interesting, you, yeah. and something that Aaron doesn't know, and Aaron and I are really good friends, and Marty, obviously you don't know, but I was in Miss Shepard's third grade production of, <laughs> of um, Three Little Bears, where I played a very impressive Papa Bear, and then from then, wow. um, I remember I was in a bar, and this guy came screaming in the door wearing a kilt, and Johnny Walker was poured, and that was that, and here we are in a podcast. That's right. So, it's, it all comes <laughs> full time, circle. From so, a tiny age. You know what I mean? So really uh, impressive. Really that, impressive. Yeah. Hey, Marty, I, I want to. I also want to uh, go off on a little tangent because uh, so the improv scene in Chicago was a pretty pretty popular place. Did did you ever get to go through Second City or no? Yeah. Oh really? no, I was uh, I was the I was in the second group to go through the training center. Okay. Uh, this is about eighty six. I want to say. I went through the players' workshop of the Second City prior to that, and then uh, because you did that, you'd skip the first two levels, I think, at least the first level. Uh, Steve Carell uh-huh. and I were performing together for about a year. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, cool. Also, um, oh, actually, another a guy who you may be familiar with is uh, Dick Costello, who ended up inventing Twitter. Oh, wow. And what was the CEO? He was in our group. Uh, Bonnie Hunt was in the group before us. That's cool. Um, later on, I so I also went to uh, got a degree in theater, which 
along with a bus transfer, got me onto a bus. That's right. That that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I always, I, can't, I always liken it to a degree in underwater basket weaving. It's yeah. about, about as useful. Yeah. In fact, it was detrimental. I'd go and apply for a, a gig at uh, a gas station. I was so yeah. desperate for a job. Yeah. And they go, oh, you got a degree in theater, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna. Oh my god! So I just start. I just started changing it to communications. There you I go. Said, there you no, go. it's a degree in communication, yeah, English, communication. something. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say that, uh, that's very cool because I, I just personally, I'm a huge uh, Saturday Night Live fan, like very huge. And the amount of people that have come through Second City is just uh, always amazing to me. I mean, you know, Gilda Radner and Chris Farley and Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, yeah. and all these people that you don't you know. And some, Marty Duffy. And Marty Duffy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so for wow. me, I'm geeking out on a, on a different level because uh, that's just very cool. <laughs> Who thunk you'd be hawking two-bit glasses on the side of the road? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, these are at least seven big classes. That's where, that's where going through Second City takes you. Yeah. Uh, actually, I mean, I did have some friends actually from my college days who then went into Second City. Uh, Scott Adsit. I'm not sure if you're yeah. familiar with Scott, but he was on 40 Rock. And uh, uh, my friend uh, uh, Andy Dick. No, I wow, think, no kidding. I don't know if Andy finished. Uh, Second City. I have a lot of stories I will tell you off. Yep. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. We can move on to yeah. those later. <laughs> we don't need to hear any of that right uh, Andy, now. Uh, but Dino Stamatopoulos, another one. Uh, you guys might know of him as Starburns on Community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dino has a, he's written for Ben Stiller and Conan O'Brien and, uh, oh, um, Bob Odenkirk. Oh, no yes. Oh, wow. He asked me to be in an improv group. But, you know, all these guys, if yeah. I met them today, they probably wouldn't know who the hell I was. That's so, right. So. That's right. Also, a big but writer. we do. We know who you are, Mark. Yeah, that's right. That's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so shifting back to whiskey, because I, <laughs> I, oh, I forgot that's right. why we're here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Whiskey podcast. laughs> I could geek out on that stuff all day. Um, but uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Diageo Ireland Reserve brand. Um, well, you know, how did you you lived in Ireland for a while, right? I did. I did. I was uh, so I was doing the Master of Whiskey uh, bit over here um, when a, a friend of mine uh, when he he had moved back to Scotland uh, and he was the global brand ambassador for Johnny Walker out of Scotland. He was taking a contingency of Diageo Ireland folks out golfing. Uh, they mentioned to him, hey, do you know anybody who could come on over to Ireland and train the trade on spirits and cocktails? Um, and so he suggested me, mainly because my last name is Irish. Sure, so, yeah. Um, and they gave me a call and they said, yeah, would you consider moving to Ireland? I said, yes. <laughs> you don't even know the job. I know. But when, no. when do I? <laughs> I'm, I'm there. It could have been trash collector. It didn't yeah. matter. I said, move to Ireland? Yeah, you bet. <laughs> um, and so I did. I was over there for two years and I did. It was very interesting. So it was 2008, did you have to import an American to come over to Ireland to train them on, you know, one, one component I thought was going to be a big one was Irish whiskey because mm. Bushmills, uh, belonged to Diageo at the time. Uh, they said, uh, Oh, and the other one I thought, you know, there's a lot of mixologists over in London. 
why aren't you bringing the English guy over? They go, are you are you fucking with me? Mm. Yeah. You want to? No, we're not going to bring an English guy over here. I go, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's right. Okay, um, and you know they figured you know they uh, would respect American, mm. uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I uh, went over and uh, I did. I trained the trade on spirits. Tried to step back from the cocktail thing because my experience behind the bar was the 90s where you made Cosmopolitans and whatever was on Sex of the City. Yes. (laughs) Well, which was funny, though. At the time, uh, you know, Ireland was about 10 years behind the U.S. as far as cocktails. The two big cocktails were Cosmopolitans and uh, Mojitos. Delicious. So, and second, the Sex and City, the first Sex and City movie was coming out. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal over there. So, <laughs> it was okay, but there was a burgeoning, there was an underground mixology um, uh, trend happening, and they were kind of looking to me, you know, for some of that. And I thought mixology. I I heard that once before. I thought it was a joke. Really, yeah, yeah. mixologist. Um, so I, uh, I just concentrated on the spirit end of things. That's what I was my strong point. Anyways, I was, I was, uh, all about spirits, finding out the history, finding out, uh, um, uh, you know, production differences, especially going over to Europe. Um, it was a bit of an eye opener, obviously here in the States, we think one way mm. about, about whiskey and vodka, even vodka. Realize that our I'm not familiar with vodka, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing with vodka, you know, we we think of it as odorless, colorless, flavorless. Mm. That's an American definition yeah, sure, of vodka. Absolutely, that is not the definition in parts of Europe. Right. Uh, that was kind of cool to find out and find out that there were some interesting, flavorful uh, vodkas. Not a lot of them, <laughs> but yes, well, we have interesting, uh, flavorful vodkas. Well, we're, nobody's like talking about no, caramel no, nobody's apple. Talking about <laughs> yeah. that. Kidding, nobody's kidding. talking Whipped about cream, that. Whipped cream, man. Stop that. Bir- birthday cake. Birthday cake vodka. Vodka, vodka so. is one of those things, like if I'm having apple juice and then I want that to be alcoholic, but yeah. vodka. Right. I, I, I think I, that, I think I that way it would lemonade. Apple juice. lemonade. You know what would be better if this was, uh, if this was booze? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, my, my big thing, I was going over there and I was excited because I went over just as Bushmills was celebrating their 400th anniversary. And I thought there'd be a big event for it. And there wasn't. I mean, 400 years. Who cares, really? Yeah. (laughs) A year later, they had this enormous worldwide party for the 250th anniversary of Guinness. And that's what I discovered when I went over to Dublin is that. Uh, Diageo in Ireland is a beer company that has some spirits. Oh. Uh, whereas over here in the States, Diageo is a spirit company that happens to have a beer. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a totally different huh, aspect in here. Yeah. So, <coughs> so bourbon, we're Scotch fans. I think Aaron and yeah. I really, and I know actually, you know, Scott started with Scotch too. Um, are, we created an enthusiast group, which evolved into um, a podcast and whatnot. And our, we have a hard time wrangle, wrangling our, you know, our, our group into a Scotch, 50-50 Scotch bourbon. It's very bourbon. Um, 
people, more people like bourbon. I mean, they're American. Yeah, well, um, but the glass is universal. And I assume the glass was created for scotch. Maybe, maybe not. But I see it with everything. I'm to- I've seen American bourbons, Canadian whiskey. I've, I've had Indian whiskeys. And I, everybody's using the glass. And it's, it's universal. Is that... Was that expected, or or was it more? Was it designed for Scotch and the certain nuances of Scotch, or was it was it intended to be for you know a, an entire platform of spirits in general? Uh, I you know I think primarily um, you know the Davidsons were very they worked a lot with uh, the Scotch uh, the Scottish distilleries um, with decanters for the first twenty years mm-hmm. of Glen existence. So there was a real, you know, tight community there. Uh, obviously, they drank primarily scotch there. Um, it was, I don't know, 2010 or so. I went over and and uh, Scott Davidson brought me to a, a bourbon bar in the middle of Glasgow, which was really surprising. Bizarre. That's weird. <laughs> but it was very funny, too. There was a bar that specialized in uh, bourbon. Uh, and then when you ask the bartenders anything about bourbon, they had no idea. So they're like, it's, it's not scotch. About, yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, you know? Do you know about scotch? This ain't yeah, it. This, this ain't. This isn't scotch. It's all there. Which one would you like? Um, that one. So that was about. That yeah, was about that. Um, but yeah, no. It it actually took a while, and I think there was. Uh, Say down Kentucky and and uh, Tennessee, there was uh, some kickback as far as using it because they associated the glass with scotch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing led to another. You know, some things too were uh, kind of inadvertently happened, like uh, Bourbon and Beyond. Mm-hmm. You guys familiar with that event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so they started doing that what three years ago, and they took our glass. And used it as their logo. Yeah. Who would That's do that? a lot like some other people. I don't know who would do that. Heathens. <laughs> we have a tulip on our on our logo, so I don't think. Two tulips. That's right. It's just flowers. So uh, that was, I mean, that was huge. And it was funny. I saw I contacted them because we had no record of them ordering glassware from us. I contacted them. The first thing they thought was I was calling them to uh, give them a cease or desist or tell them that we are suing them. Which is um, easy to get through. You just throw those away when they come in. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I've noticed. But they, uh, the, the other thing was that, they, again, they had no idea that that was a, a specific right. glass. Yeah, because it had just been they, associated with whiskey. But that's that good point. for yeah. So that's good for you, right? But then it probably, and I know it does, it probably you know, entices knockoffs, which I've seen. Big time. Yeah. And uh, I was just talking before you came on. Um, we know somebody, for tasting reasons, bought a bunch of the knockoff glasses. They were clearly cheaper, thinner. You know, they had a whole, in a, a bit, they were different. Enough yeah. to, to, to be different. But they weren't Glencairn. And yeah. I think what's cool about the whole, I think you brought up the whole tissue versus Kleenex. Yep. People want it to be a Glencairn. I think they... They, they want to see it on the bottom of the glass when they're taking the sip. And I'm kind of one of the people when I'm taking a sip and it's not on the bottom. I'm thinking. You're hey, like, what the hell is this? I guess we yeah. were not friends. I guess <laughs> I, got the, I got the cheap glasses, I guess. So, well, um, I mean, 
there's one of two things about that. One, it is a, a it's still a family owned and operated company. It's not a big company. If you guys ever go over to Glasgow, you can go and visit the. Uh, I think we employ like 50 people. Wow, it's not a big, um, it's not a big company. People are always constantly coming to us for, uh, you know, for advertising money or for sponsorship, and we go, we can't afford. Right, you know, the kind of sponsorship you're looking for. I mean, it's no way. It's it. The glass, the glass's reputation is bigger than the company itself. Um, but also, too, you know, it's so it's it is an authentic thing. People look for authenticity in whiskey all the time. Sure. So, that authenticity in what you're uh, drinking it out of, uh, and plus, a lot of those knockoffs are coming from a certain country. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the Pacific Ocean mm-hmm. that might have a certain virus. Not saying that it's contaminated. <laughs> I'm just saying. As, as we all sit here with some Purell that I have to buy on the black market. You're sick. <laughs> He's literally in here in a closed door studio. Sick. <laughs> That's all right. Whiskey. Whiskey. It's the water of life. Yep. That's right. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm-hmm. Mari, let me ask you a, a, a question. If yes, you sir. all... If all you know is Jack, then you don't know Dickle. How did that come about? Uh, I just thought of it. <laughs> I mean, that, that caught on, right? T-shirts and everything. It did. It, did. Uh, it was funny, too. So I, when I first came up with it, I made about 100 T-shirts out of my local budget. Um, and I, you know, you're, when you do something like that, you're supposed to pass it by Diageo's. Oh, yeah. Uh, marketing department supposed to sure you know, their dmc their diageo marketing code uh, and i thought it wouldn't i thought it you know i thought there might be it might sound too suggestive or something i don't know uh i can't imagine anyways <laughs> yeah so i made a couple of them uh maybe like a couple hundred then another brand ambassador over in seattle he asked hey can i make it you know do you mind <laughs> I said, sure, just don't let the higher-ups know. And uh, he <laughs> passes it by the DMC and go, what did I tell you? What did I mean? So, actually, and then it turned out, they liked it. That's funny. They had no problem with it. Wow. And uh, it became the best-selling T-shirt at the George Dickel Distillery. And even when Diageo, at one point, was having problems with Brown Foreman, their... Um, there's a lot of uh, dickering about uh, Tennessee whiskey uh, between you know Dickel and and uh, Jack, and so they want to kind of cool things down. So they want to get rid of the T-shirt. The folks at the distillery said no. They want to keep on selling it because they loved it. Um, but eventually, yeah, I should you know put the hammer sure, down on sure. them. Uh, but there is a picture out there of. Uh, Mr. Robert Pattinson uh-huh. of Twilight, Twilight yeah. fame. Big fan. Batman. He was uh, walking into a club wearing the shirt. That's so funny. I thought, sweet. And obviously you charged him. That's right. I wish. He's like, I got a <laughs> cease and desist. <laughs> can, I, can I charge? I don't know if I can charge him. Actually, the lousy thing about it is, you know, once you work for a big company like that, you come up with something. Now it's intellectual property. Yep, of theirs. Yep, yep. So I got nothing out of it. 
That's a shame. That's uh, a lot of stories like that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's fun though. Yeah, I honestly, yeah. I didn't. Even, uh, but before before Scott pulled that up just now, I didn't even I didn't even know about it. And like now, I want a shirt. So I'm gonna make one. That's right. And I don't ah. care what happens. That's right. Just they don't. Can, they just, can come after me. Don't Sorry. tell Marty. Yeah. We're, I'm going to put, no, I'm going to put Dash Marty Duffy. (laughs) As if he. (laughs) So everybody will really know. Yep. That's awesome. That's sweet. Actually, I I came up with another shirt. I think I have, I should have saved a couple of these. Came up with another one for the classic malts. Mm -hmm. Because, again, classic malts was becoming kind of this generic term. And people didn't realize it was a whole. line of whiskeys, whiskey brands uh, that Diageo owned. So I came up with a uh, classic ball concert tour okay. shirt. <laughs> and so I listed all the, the whiskeys cool. with the, uh, with the region they're from and, oh. and the year that they were founded. Oh, that's so really kind of cool. like the dates. That's yeah. really cool. That's... Yeah, well, this is the kind of genius that's right. that's that you're right. working with here. Yeah. That's why you're a billionaire. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And, and on that note, thanks for calling us from your jet, not your helicopter. That really right. helps. Yeah, the sound is better in the jet. Much I appreciate better. that. So, yeah, well, it's insulated. <laughs> Marty, uh, so the uh, the, the uh, Chicago Independent Spirits Expo, right? We uh, for those who don't know, we it features uh, over 120 independent distilleries, bottlers, distributors, yeah. importers, 500 brands, 1,200 members of the uh, of the industry. Tell us a little bit about that because you help run that. Is that right? Uh yeah. So what? Uh, how that started? You guys familiar with Dave Schmier? I am actually uh, Dave, not. Who is he? No? Dave. Dave created Redemption Rye. Uh, and so Dave and I were friends from way back. Dave used to own a marketing company that uh, worked with a lot of liquor companies. I, I, I would work for Dave managing some of his events. Uh, and then one, I think it was 2011, I had just left Diageo. And Dave asked me if I'd go out to New York and uh, help him with his Indie Spirit Expo. And he had, this is like his fourth year and he already had 60, 60 brands there. Uh, and I found it just having come from the world of, uh, the big corporate brands, I found what these people were doing fascinating. I just thought it was so cool. You know, vodka made from honey. What? Yeah. <laughs> easy. Yeah. Um, um, and so I, I told him right then and there, I said, Bring this to Chicago in the fall, and I will help you build it and promote it. And uh, he did. We had about 60, 70 brands that first year. Uh, And every year, for about eight years, just kept on building and building. And Actually, I think we peaked at between 150 and 160 brands. Wow. Uh, To the point we couldn't fill up. We do it at the uh, Hilton Hotel downtown on Michigan Avenue and just couldn't fill it up anymore. Uh, the room, we were out into the foyer. We had so many tables. Uh, now, about a year ago, I stepped back. I just said, you know, I've I got to concentrate more on Glen Karen. Um, plus, I just thought, you know, I think we built it as big as we can with the budget we have, which is no budget. Right. No budget. Used to that um, over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So actually, my my niece, who's in the industry, she stepped in, and so she works with Dave now. Uh, That's really uh, cool. Promoting it. And last year, it was great. It was the first time I got to attend it as uh, a human being. Oh, was, as, how freeing was that? Was that was that really freeing, or were you like really tense was. the whole time? Okay, good. No, I thought it was one. I was so happy to see that um, the two of them were able to uh, maintain the crowd and the size of vendors and everything else. And then just to be able to walk around and talk to people without someone, you know, <clears throat> I'd be about to sip something and someone would call me out and say, Oh, we have a 12 year old uh, trying to sneak in. Eh, we'll go like you do. Away. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oodles. Can you know, I get your just... start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's his first story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, it was, I was 12. Five years yeah. Fine <laughs> for a brand ambassador job. We actually have that kid on the show next. That's, that's right. right. That's right. He's calling in right after you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a great event. And the, the cool thing about it, too, is that it's, I don't think there's any other show like it, mm. uh, at least in the States. You have brands um, that have to be independently owned. And they can come from anywhere in the world, and they make any kind of spirit. And actually, even <clears throat> things that are related. We had uh, related to the spirit world because uh, we had um, a guy who harvested ice in Alaska mm-hmm. off of off of glaciers. You know, the the big chunks of ice that would fall into the water. He'd harvest that and turn it into uh, cocktail rocks. And so you ship it out to you. So I actually have some in my fridge still. These things are amazing. You put in the whiskey and they sparkle. They look like something from space, from outer space. Really neat. Spirits and spirit adjacent stuff is what we're we're talking about. Why can't we figure stuff like that out? What are we doing wrong? (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly not our big budget. Yeah. But it's a a great show. If you guys have an opportunity, you should go out to it. It's going to be October 6th, I believe, this year. Okay, great. Yeah, and it's definitely something we'll we'll keep following and keep keep us updated with it. I said, I I think you said your your niece is a big part of it now. Is that right? Jamie, yes, Jamie Duffy. She's with uh, Thoroughbred. Um, uh, The Thoroughbred Collective, I believe, is the full name. They uh, consult on distilleries. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll definitely and we'll put up some links. I'm, I'm sure as well. So we've talked about it uh, several times on the show, right? We uh, how the uh, kind of the expanse of the whiskey culture is is getting out to new areas, right? You know, it's not just Kentucky anymore. We we've talked about Vermont. We've talked about you know stuff down in the south. Mari, what's the what's the scene like in Chicago? What, what's the whiskey scene like there? Is it a lot of distill, a lot of small distilleries. Do you see anything uh, special happening out there? Um, well, yeah. I mean, as far as distilleries, yeah, for the most part, they're all small. Um, sure. There's a couple that have been breakthroughs, uh, such as um, um, Few, Few Spirits, mm. obviously, is probably the one of the better known ones, Cabal, yep. which was the first distillery in Chicago. Um, I think Illinois only has about 30 distilleries right now the whole state of illinois yeah. um which is kind of small compared to say uh, ca- obviously california i believe right. is number one 
New York's number two, Washington State's number three, Oregon or Colorado or Texas has to be number four. Uh, just keep going. So we're, we're letting you go to 50, so just keep going down the list. Yeah. He sings a song. <laughs> it's like the Animaniacs. Man, that little state called New Jersey. Um, awesome. they, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I assume it's the weather out there. I mean, you know, whiskey is a is a living, breathing, outdoor kind of thing. I'm not familiar with Illinois weather. I've only been to Chicago once, but it seems like it's very it's aggressive. Cold. Yeah, it's cold. Could that affect? I, I mean, mean well, but I mean, Canada's see, doing it. it. So, see, there's a there's a interesting uh, topic actually uh, that's been brought up a couple times in the last couple of months is. Uh, you know, unlike Scotland or Ireland or even Kentucky and Tennessee, where they have these big kind of drafty warehouses, a lot of these small distilleries, a lot of them, uh, some of them are built in, in uh, their, uh, their uh, barrel houses are really part of the distillery. They're built in kind of corporate warehouses. What's Is that a duck? I think, I think we're being robbed. <laughs> Somebody's just breaking in and take, <laughs> taking all of our billions of dollars. No big deal. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, so you have some distilleries right here in the, in the city that you wonder is if a cask is breathing, is it breathing in Chicago air? Yeah, which isn't which isn't as clean as say air out. Uh, you know, an hour or two out in DeKalb where uh, Whiskey Acres is. They're, they have a beautiful uh, farm, and they're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you could swing a dead cat and not hurt you know, another dead cat. That's the unit of measurement. Um, I that's right. That's, that's a good one, yeah. But that's, that's the thing. Way. That's the thing with whiskey, and I'm we're very we're a very big proponent of um, local whiskeys and, and distillers popping up out of everywhere, and we like that. We, we like that movement. There's certain places where you just you think, how is whiskey coming from there? You know, because you know I'm a big fan of Highland Park. One of the reasons is it's the Orkney. It's it's crazy weather. It's not quite Arctic, not quite you know, and Kentucky limestone water, and you know Virginia. It's it's so you think where your whiskey comes from, and you know I think California owns it a lot, vineyards, and so they kind of have that beverage market. So when you think of Chicago, I think of a good place to go to experience a cool bar, or, and I don't want to take away from it, but the weather just that's the first thing I think is well where's their water where's their weather what's their you know source and I think that's probably difficult not that they're not doing because Vermont's the same way yeah yeah sure and they're making great whiskey that's right you know yeah. so you really have to market yourself you have to you have well, to you know well you go to Vermont uh, I I spent a couple of days at uh, Whistlepick mm-hmm. and I mean that's that was beautiful I mean it's yeah. very rural I mean what's the biggest What's the biggest uh, town in Vermont? It's not that big. I mean, think it's about Vermont's the size people. of most towns. Oh, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's it's uh, it's still very countrified. It's you know you still have that fresh air and that ability to you know maybe put your your barrel house on the, the side of a lake. You know, yeah. uh, but I, I started having worked with so many scotches and single malt scotch distilleries with Diageo. Um, you know, you go to Isla, and yeah, I couldn't help but believe that the influence of the the sea and that salty sea air 
getting into those casts. I mean, they they had to build a lawn. They had to build an area uh, because Lagavulin's uh, barrel house was on the, uh, the verge of being sucked out to sea. Yeah, It was yeah. that close yeah. to the ocean. The ocean was washing up against the walls. Um, I was out at uh, Leopold Brothers in Denver. And I was I was really happy to see that he has a dunnage, a dunnage floor, so an Old earthen school. floor. Yeah, yeah, which and you don't see a lot in America here, really. Yeah, yeah you know, and I, I'm surprised, but that's also how he kind of counterbalances the fact that it's really dry in yeah. Denver. That altitude, I was waking up every morning with chapped lips, and and you walk out of the shower and you're instantly dry. You just boom. Um, it's so, plus I think I want to say, if I remember correctly, I want to say his, his angel share was something like 13%. Hmm. Oh, wow. Annual. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's huge. All that kind of stuff. That's a recipe for uh, an expensive I, whiskey. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating because in, uh, in this country, we do have so many different climates and that could contribute quite a bit to the variety of whiskey we have. Um, you have distilleries down in Mexico doing some cool stuff, doing cool stuff too by using mesquite instead of mm. peat as far as smoking the barley. Uh, uh, there is a distillery south of Chicago. Speaking of Kentucky, uh, there's one of south of Chicago that sits on a, uh, a huge amount of, um, South of Chicago is enormous uh, amount of limestone. Mm -hmm. And so they actually pull their water from a deep well that's uh, a, a limestone well. Huh. So More is there whiskey going to yeah, taste yeah, like? Absolutely. More whiskeys to pour in these glasses. For sure. Yeah. See, I, see, I came back around. I see, I see that. Yeah. See, guys, that's, man. that's pretty good. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Proud of you. It's a gift. Hey, Marty, before we uh, before we wrap up, tell us a little bit about uh, Whiskey Still Life. Uh, Whiskey Still Life is really just that page on Facebook. There really isn't a... Uh, I use it kind of as an uh, umbrella for tastings and some of the classes I do. I just did my final Irish whiskey class of the season, uh, yesterday. Um, but I use that page just to basically put out whiskey news, you know, all the various articles I find on every kind of whiskey, Scotch, Irish, Canadian, Japanese. Yeah, I, I was on, I was on it, uh, yesterday or the day before, um, just cause I knew you were coming on the show and I, it, it really was a, a little bit of a rabbit hole in and of itself, which I like, you know, I like cool. to just sort of, um, look at all different things. Whiskey. Yeah. It's a great place to park yourself and, uh, <laughs> lose some time, man, yeah, because there's sure. so much content there that, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's great to flip through. Well, that, you know, I think it's, you know, I, I kind of look at it. One is a hobby, but you know, it's almost like, cutting out newspaper clippings, mm -hmm. but I'm putting those newspaper clippings on Facebook. Uh, and then uh, uh, also just as kind of a, a whiskey library. Hey, in mm -hmm. fact, you guys uh, ever check out Single Malt TV on YouTube? Oh, I know about it, and I've seen a few. Um, I don't get to YouTube enough, but um, well, I drive <laughs> a lot, so I play in the background. But yeah, I know, I know about it. It's... Um, if you ever have a chance, uh, Charlie McLean is uh, one of my favorite Scotch writers. Uh, 
Uh, he's written uh, about 12 books, I guess, about Scotch. Yeah. And he does this whole series. I mean, he's been doing it for years. I don't know if he's still doing them, if he's done. Uh, but there's lots and lots of content, and it covers just about everything anyone wants to know about Scotch. Uh, whether it's uh, a distillery profile, whether it's about fermentation, about distilling, um, how to taste whiskeys, um, it's everything. And and Charlie's the man. Uh, in fact, that's one other thing I, I'd like to plug is uh, Charlie and myself, Lou Bryson, Dave Broom, and a cast of others are uh, on this uh, Master of Whiskey Council. Mm-hmm. So people who want to become a, uh, uh, well, I can't, I, I wouldn't want to say a whiskey expert, but certified in whiskey, uh, almost like a whiskey sommelier, because uh, it is uh, put together by a number of sommeliers with the help of the, of the pristine council of the whiskey gods who are out there. Uh, I count myself as one. Sure. Um, I, I, that's why we had you on the show. Uh, right? We were yeah. like, oh, is that whiskey God coming on? Yeah, let's bring him on. <laughs> yeah, make sure that's underneath. That that's right. are promoting this. <laughs> Marty right, Duffy, whiskey God. Whiskey God. Um, <laughs> but there's a, uh, um, it's a really cool certification course uh, that where you, you have to phone up and study uh, the various categories. Scotch is the one I did. Uh, but then bourbon, there'll be Japanese world whiskeys and the, the courses get tougher as sure. you go on, just That's like the way you it would should at, be like a, doing a master Somalia. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because there's a lot, I wouldn't say a lot. There's only a handful of courses you can take out there and some of them are solid. We have people in our group that teach and they do an amazing job. And then some of them are, you know, four grand, you go out for a Saturday and then you have a. <laughs> you know, then you're a master. And yeah. I, I like to hear the uh, I, I, more like the wine aspect and really getting into it, knowing it. But um, Or like us, and we just drink so much of it that. Yeah, <laughs> it just comes naturally. You just learn by another, osmosis. Another good one I can vouch for is that uh, Bourbon Stewart course you can take at Moonshine University. Mm, yeah. It's yep. a day-long course, and I, I love that. I thought, I thought they did a great job. Uh, and it was all focused on bourbon and you got production you got hands-on experience making the whiskey because they have a whole still set up there and so you start making a whiskey in the morning and goes through the the process during the day uh that's a good one something for folks to look into all right marty well uh listen we really appreciate you calling into the show and uh this this has been fantastic i mean there's so much so many cool things we can go on forever but uh, we really appreciate it and um, is there, for that class, is there somewhere specific they can go? They can go to, Ma- I believe it is Master, Masters of Whiskey certification. Okay. They can Google that. That should get them. <laughs> Very good. Very right, good. good. Uh, we'll we'll, 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 we'll find Moonshine a link to put University, it up. Moonshine University would list theirs as well. They're really good. Awesome. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely put that one, up. One more plug for you. So we have our glasses engraved um, lovingly and thankfully. Um, is there is there any – we have some people out there that are asking the same kind of question. Is there a certain place they can go there or is it Google the best route? There it is. Glen Crystals. Yeah, yeah, there you go. 
right yep. there, huh? They do wow. the best work. Capture so. that. Screen, screen print that. Got it. There you go. High quality um, right yeah. there. They, they can always check out uh, glencaren.co.uk. Uh, cool. Oh, look at that. Um, and uh, that would give you... Um, <clears throat> Uh, you can check out everything that's there. I could send catalogs. If you want to email me at marty at glencaren.co.uk, uh, I can send them off a catalog. However, I do uh, have to warn them, as you guys have probably noticed. Uh, if you're ordering, you have to think, oh, I'm going to order two glasses with my name and Sissy's name on it. And you know, all the way from Scotland. <laughs> we, have, we have that that's, exact thing. That's right. The, somebody, somebody we tr- I tried to put Sissy's name on it. <laughs> The, sh- the shipping cost from Scotland is very expensive. Right. So if you're, for a small order, it's it's not really worth it. Yep. Uh, yeah, you definitely want to, It's something you definitely want to do in bulk for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a company out of Milwaukee that's kind of our American partner, uh, though I think they might have a minimum order. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're called Bolter, B O E L T R T E R dot com uh, that you can order through them. For the Glen Karen, the Wee Glen Karen, and our mixer glass. Okay, yeah. So, All right. uh, so at least the shipping is cheaper. Yeah, yeah, sure. Very cool. All right, and uh, make sure you check out on all social media, uh, Whiskey Still Life. And just remember, whenever you purchase yourself a Glen Karen, think of Mr. Marty Martin Duffy. He's working his butt off out there. <laughs> Sweating. Right. We're not. Well, now we're not going to put your picture <laughs> yeah, on. We yeah, don't yeah. want to scare people. <laughs> You tip that glass back. Just imagine this face. That's right. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick a picture of your face to the bottom of all my glasses. Marty's got kids to feed, so get that glass bought. (laughs) Perfect, Mart. We really appreciate it, buddy. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show. You always have a platform here if you want to come share whatever you're working on, and uh, we really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks. Great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We can't thank Martin enough for calling into the show and sharing all of his stories with us. If you're interested in the Masters of Whiskey certification that Martin was referring to, you can find them at whiskeymasters.org. That's whiskey with an E. To find out more about Glencairns, be sure to check out glencairn.co.uk. And if you need something special, you can always reach out to Martin directly at marty at glencairn.co.uk. Also, be sure to check out Whiskey Still Life on all social media platforms. And while you're there, make sure you check out Cash Chasers pages as well for all the latest discussions and events. So until next week, Cash Chasers, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. Chase.